Stop me if you've heard this one before. You're in it. You're in it. Halftime hits. You're not in it anymore. That's the latest uh, for these Auburn Tigers. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's the morning after Auburn's loss to Georgia, and with me every Sunday to break down these games, Daryl Daprich, Montgomery Radio vet. And man, this one's tough. Because it's the same thing that we've been seeing seemingly over and over and over again. The only difference is Auburn didn't have a big lead, a double-digit lead right. in this one. But they were in it. And, you know, the the the, the fake punt and going for it, um, it turned into points quickly. I'm not as against a lot of people are. But, you know, you're, you're, you can certainly make the argument it's a two-score game um, deeper into the game if you don't call that call or or, or if you convert, obviously. But. This Auburn team, they're in it halfway through the third quarter, Daryl, consistently, and then that's that's it. You know, the offense can't consistently move the chains and score points in the second half. Did get a second-half touchdown, but it, it was when the game was was virtually over. But it's just it's the same song and dance every single week. Yeah, there is a pattern developing, and I think that for a, a game that was 42-10, to 10, it, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just – delusional or maybe I'm numb to this now that we're halfway through the season, but it, it feels winnable early on. They don't feel yeah. like, you know, there were games again, I, I hate to keep comparing years, but there were games in 2012, including the Georgia game at Jordan Hare and the Texas A&M game where Auburn just, you just didn't feel like you were ever in it. And uh, that, that you just, as a fan and this game, you know, Auburn defensively was doing what they had to do. They were staying within striking distance. It was a seven, nothing game then a 14-0 game, and you just really felt like, uh, gosh, if, if Auburn can do some things differently, if they could execute, if they could quit shooting themselves in the foot, if you could not call a fake punt on your side of the field, if you could just you know quit having stupid penalties that got you behind the chains, you're going, this is winnable. This, this yeah. is, they're beatable, right? And so that's what adds to the frustration levels. There's a, a just a, a combination of factors that all happen at the same time. It's like a perfect storm that takes away that winnable, competitive feeling. And then yeah. by the time the second half rolls around, it becomes uh, unattainable. So I've got a few takes. I'm just going to list them off. And one by one, let's kind of go through them. The first thing sure. you already mentioned, the penalties thing is it, just crazy. And we made excuses for it earlier in the season. Okay, the season is young new stuff like let's let, let's see kind of what gets going here and it's like it's not the young kids that are doing this it's the quote-unquote veteran offensive linemen all these things across the roster it's not just a position struggling to to be disciplined and, and they, they're giving up penalties left and right yeah i think and it's a combination of penalties right you're seeing the the uh, false starts and you know that that's killing you from an offensive line standpoint you're constantly starting behind the chains You'll get a good run going, and there's a hold called, and you'll have to, you know, bring that back. Receivers uh, getting getting in motion, starting up field too quickly, 
And it, it, there are penalties that absolutely is just like a thousand paper cuts. They just start nicking you and bleeding you to death because, because so, you're. It, yeah, and Daryl, somebody may say, "Oh, it's just a five-yard penalty." Well, when it's when it's first and fifteen or second and twelve, this Auburn offense is probably not going to convert that. And so, yeah, you're only losing five yards, but you're essentially killing the drive. And so, it's just that happening. I don't think I'm exaggerating here, Daryl, but I think that happened like four times in the first half where it's like you're just killing any kind of chance that you can get to score points early. It's it's it sucks. Like and over the course of a season, it's been devastating. Yeah, there's change of possession penalties like getting, you know, like what happened last week when we couldn't get off the field on third down because of hands to the face or let's say it's you know, third and four and you stop Georgia, but someone lines up in the neutral zone defensively. Those are change of possession penalties. Mm -hmm. Auburn, though, with the way they're playing offense, second and 12 is a change of possession penalty. I'm sorry, it just is. Second and six is light years and huge for Auburn compared to second and 11 because of the way this offense is structured. And so that because they become predictable, you, you could pin your ears back and come up field and you're getting tackled in the backfield. So th- just because it's a five-yard penalty, I'm telling you there's a big difference between second and six with this offense and second and 11. It's huge. Or third and 12 compared to third and seven. It's big. Yeah. Uh, second big picture takeaway, Colby Wooden is so, so talented. There was so much speculation on, okay, what's the defensive front going to look like with no Aculiota? And you saw it early. You saw them start the game with Derek Call at edge. Marcus Harris at that three technique. Jason Jones is the big guy in the in the middle. And then they scooted Kobe Wooden out to, to defensive end. And it was it was solid. Marcus Bragg played a good bit. I look forward to seeing the um, the total snap numbers when they're they're released by Pro Football Focus Sunday morning sometime. But man, I just I was really, really impressed with the entire defensive front. I was impressed with Kobe Wooden. He had a, he was huge on the goal line early. Uh, I think that was probably still the first quarter, Daryl, when he helped make a huge stop there. And I think, I I think even Auburn people, there's been so much attention on Derek Hall, and this is me not saying that Derek Hall doesn't deserve it because he totally does. But Colby Wooden is a big reason why this defense is able to stay in games and keep the team in games longer than they should. Yeah, and they get wore out, I, and then obviously it changes the, it flips the script. I, I'm going to push back a little bit and say it was a little bit of a mixed bag for me, uh, not on Colby Wood, yeah. but the defensive front. I think in the first half, even when Auburn was fresh, I saw no pressure on the quarterback, no sacks until the second half. I saw them make a great stop on on you know third and goal or whatever, for, and, and, and make some stops. But then I also saw. Georgia running backs and offensive linemen continuing to block downfield and getting five, six, seven, eight yards of push. Now, yeah. that could be second level on linebackers and secondary. But again, you know, you're, you're, you're going without Leota. So, yeah, there, there were some good things in the first half. And then I saw Georgia having its way with, with Auburn a little bit defensively with the running play, stringing them out, you know, when they yeah. would, would do that misdirection and Edwards would find that gap and find that they should, hole. They should have called that every play. Like yeah, just, I mean, it, it, it was never been off the field. Yeah, but I think you know, give them credit for uh, Bennett not having a very good first half. Uh, I mean, you know, he threw for thirty-five yards in the first half. The second half, that long touchdown run, 
was just assignment football. It's just not standing your gaps. And I think it's a, an example of the defense just being worn down. Yeah. All right, Daryl, the, the next question I have for you in the form of a, uh, it's a takeaway in the form of a question. Mm-hmm. You're going to think I'm joking when I ask the question, but it is a serious question. I'll ask you in just a moment. But first, I have another question to ask you. Don't you hate it when people break into your home? Because I certainly do. It's Absolutely. Happened, but it sounds terrible. Yeah. But ever since I got Simply Safe, I don't have to worry about it. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security, powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. It's very customizable. Look, think about your home without Simply Safe as Auburn's defense when they're tired in the second half. And your home with Simply Safe, Auburn's defense in the first quarter. You definitely want that. Absolutely. So you can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Daryl, my next question about this game. And once again, it's going to sound like I'm being. I don't know. It's going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm really not. Okay. Did, did Owen Papo play? Hmm. Like I saw him out there, but it's just like, what? what is going on with Owen Papo? I hate it for him because you know he's frustrated, but it's just like he he's never any. Zion Puckett's getting to guys quicker, and he's like 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. And it's just like, what is going on with number zero? I hate it for him. I wanted to make sure that after last week's podcast, I wasn't being too hard on him or picking on him. I want to be fair, yeah, and you know, in analysis like that, and not look like it's it's targeting somebody. So I watched him specifically, got really close to my television so I could see close, and watched him on three consecutive defensive plays. And what I saw was on one play him jogging, on another play the Georgia running back spun out of a really weak upper body arm tackle. And a third, he kind of ran into his own guy and, and wasn't and got into the play late. So I don't know. It's not even overrunning the play. I have no answers as to what's going on, um, why it is that he's being his his play has become kind of in, in effect, ineffective. But I've noticed all year there has been too many missed tackles. That's something that is statistics. You can't deny that. Being out of position, not being in your gap, gap control, jogging, you're not going to see those on stats. You'll see those on the eyeball test, and I think there's just an issue there. There's a concern. How is Eugene Asante not reps at this point? You know what I mean? I wonder. I've also wondered a little bit about like Craig McDonald, who we were so high on early in the year, wondering why he's not. Great I don't point. know if he's injured, but how is how is Asante not getting reps? You're right. Uh, you know, there's rumors that he might be being redshirted, but I think at this point you've got to go ahead and try to get him on the field. Uh, th- this defense and this linebacking core has been gassed again. That goes back to doing the same thing over and over again. You can't help it if your linebackers – from that, that's not coaching from a, a standpoint if they're not making plays and you're putting them in position to make plays. But if they're not over and over again, the definition of insanity is keep doing it over and over. Try something different. Try different personnel. Right. Um, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. We saw a little bit of change. They had to do it last week just because Cam Riley was out. 
um, put Wesley Steiner in more, and um, we saw both of them. We saw all three linebackers a good bit. Once again, looking forward to seeing what the market share was when the when the snap count numbers come out on Sunday. Um, we we touched on this briefly. I guess I said this briefly at the open, Daryl. I I was okay with the fake punt call. Uh, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I'm going to tell you two things about the fake punt call. First of all, sometimes two things can be both true at the same time. Okay, so it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be either or. It can be true that you shouldn't have called the play, but could also be true that after the play was called, it was would have been effective, would have been executed, and would have been successful had two things happened: had the snap been to Schenker and he didn't have to reach behind him, thereby losing a step or you know slowing the play down. That 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 one two seconds that he had to reach back and couldn't get upfield ended up being huge, right? Secondly, 50 whiffed on his block. Unbelievable. I think that's Irvin. He whiffed on his block, and that's who tackled Shanker. So although you kind of scratch your head at the call, it still would have gotten the first down and would have been effective had it been executed properly. It was there for the taking. I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Yeah, and you talk about the bad snap. I mean – Whenever you're trying to catch somebody off guard like that, you need th- those yes. first those first few steps of the player are crucial. Because yes. everybody's doing the routine. All right, engage, 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 and then you know peel back and and block. And as soon as somebody else that's not the punter gets the football, right, they're able to react to that. So that was um yeah. Uh, as far as Robbie Ashford, his stats were not good. And let's just go over those briefly. His stats were he was 13 of 38 passing, 165 yards through the air, one touchdown, did not throw a pick. Surprised. Uh, I was actually surprised that they reversed that call, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. And then from a rushing standpoint, nine of 52. Um, and he obviously had that, that pretty crucial fumble. But And that's the key. I hate to play the what-if game, but I'm going to do it here because if I do the what-if game negatively, I'm going to do the what-if game positively. It's only fair, Okay. If Robbie Ashford doesn't fumble that ball, which was nobody hit him, he has more. Than, yeah, he has more than fifty-two yards rushing. He he goes yeah. for another twenty or twenty-five. So you know, again, that's a we can if and buts and candy and nuts all night long. But and that's unfortunate that he just did that. I mean, it's unfortunate yeah. he just dropped the ball. But his rushing statistics would have looked even more impressive if he holds on to the ball there. Correct. Correct. And that was the best-looking drive of the first half. Arguably the game. I know they scored in the second half, but like that whole drive was one play. But they actually had a drive going. And then that, that fumble happened. And you could see how frustrated he was. Is it amazing to you, real quick, to ask you a question, that, that, that the touchdown pass that Robbie Ashford threw in the second half, you probably know this because you're a stat dude, was the first touchdown pass that Auburn has thrown in Sanford Stadium since Chris Todd. Way back when, yes, the the 2009 Chris Todd record-breaking year when Auburn played pretty decent on the road in Athens. That's the first time an Auburn quarterback has thrown a touchdown pass in the second half uh, in Georgia since that game. Yeah, because in 2010 with Cam, that game was at home. That game was at home. And then I was thinking, okay, who started multiple years? And... Bo Nick Nick. Marshall. Well, Nick Marshall. Yeah. They just 
we went up like seven nothing on a run, and then we like didn't score again. Exactly. And then Bo Nix had a really bad game in 2020 at, at, in Athens. Remember that game was was mm-hmm. was 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 very difficult to watch. So yeah, since Chris Todd, Robbie That's Ashford's the crazy. first quarterback to throw a touchdown pass. First uh, in Georgia, first yeah, Auburn wow. quarterback since, uh, since yeah, a lot of Georgia guys <laughs> touchdown passes yeah. against That's Auburn, right. but still, I mean, you know, I, and again, put ten points on the board in the second half, broke that string, and congratulations to John Samuel Shanker, who's now the all-time leading pass catching tight end, past Cooper yeah. Wallace. So that yep. was that was, you know, you got to look uh, for little nuggets, yeah, little nugget, friend of the program, little nuggets. So congratulations to him. Um. Yeah. And then kind of the last thing before we talk about the big picture stuff that everybody's probably wanting us to to talk about, but I've just, I feel like it's pointless at this point, but you know, moving forward, what can this team do? Because they did more of the stuff that we've all been begging them to do. Like, you know, they, they threw it a tank, they threw it a dark was, they ran it outside more. Like they did. Well, the play calling was actually okay. Um, It's just, they're not where they need to be as a team. And it just is disheartening. You know, one of the things it'll be interesting to see is how good Georgia turns out to be the rest of the year. So if, if Auburn did those things and met resistance from a Georgia defense and ends up being really, really good by the end of the year, then there is hope that maybe against Ole Miss, who Vanderbilt last night, you know, played well against for a while, uh, Arkansas, who definitely doesn't look like world beaters. They look really bad, Daryl. Arkansas they do. awful. At Texas A&M, maybe the stuff that Auburn tried today finally against Georgia didn't work because you're facing a really, really good defense that's finding its footing yeah. and becomes really, you know, at the end of the year, you're like, wow, that was really a movable force defensively. And against lesser teams in the SEC, especially the SEC West, that stuff will equate to 350 yards or more. Mm-hmm. Let's wait and see, because it did against LSU, didn't it? You're right. And then LSU goes to Tennessee and gets absolutely boot, boot stomped. So I think maybe against some teams that are a little bit – I mean, we Georgia against Missouri and Kent State, that may have been just an aberration. And against Auburn, they got back to who they are. We'll know that at the end of the year. And so what Auburn tried tonight may not look as – is disheartening if you look at the end of the year and Georgia's got a top five five ranked defense in the country. Yeah. All right. Should Auburn fire Brian Harson this weekend, next weekend, towards the end of the season? Let's talk about that in just a moment, right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. They had the line at 29 and a half, Daryl. And I just knew. I just knew Auburn would cover this, and they were so close. So close. Um, but ultimately, that 32-point spread was a little too much. But Mississippi State, I had them by five and a half. That was great. I had L- uh, I had Tennessee over LSU by three and a half. So be sure to get in on all of these games, folks. A lot of you guys watching and listening every day, you guys know your stuff. Head over to Bet Online and make some money off of it. It is the best way to wager on all of your sports action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Daryl Daprich. I've seen more and more people, some folks that are extremely pro-Auburn, no matter what happens, pro-support the head man, no matter what happens, follow these folks for years on social media, and you're starting to see everyone be like, okay, it's time. Let's do Mm -hmm. it. Let's do it. I'm still of the mindset that they should wait till the end of the season. I don't think you get anything good about letting him go early. I just don't. And we can all disagree on that. That's fine. Sure. 
Justin Hokinson of AuburnLive.com earlier this week reported, hey, say what you want, but what I'm hearing is it's going to be after the Iron Bowl. And I'm, I've been told that from some other folks that are in the know as well. And that's kind of what I think is going to happen, Daryl. And that's kind of why I also feel comfortable recording this right after the game is because I don't think he's going to get fired this weekend. I don't think he's going to get fired next weekend after Ole Miss as the way things currently sit. Now, Daryl, there's a chance that the powers that be are listening to the Auburn fan base because, you know, it stinks losing to Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't see them screwing over whoever they choose to become interim at this point. So right now, I, I think they hold him until the end of the season. So here's the thing. We all have opinions on this. We all have people that we're hearing and reading about. And, and you know, I've heard some different things that says that not necessarily is true, that he'll make sure. it to the end of the year from someone like Philip Marshall, who's, you know, a, a, a veteran beat writer that says, look, if it gets too bad and it gets too toxic from an environment standpoint, you don't worry about your players quitting on him because that hasn't happened. But how is it, how engaged is he is with recruits right now? We don't know. Has that, that, but but I, I don't like that argument, Daryl, because if you fire him, what does that change? That doesn't automatically make okay. things better on the recruiting front, right? But it makes the atmosphere and person – it makes the, the culture maybe not so toxic is what I'm saying. We, we both can agree that what's going on right now in the cloud that's over the program let, – let me just say this. The sure. people that say, okay – Calling for a coach to be fired in the middle of the season. I'm not saying you're one of them, but there's a lot of our listeners, people that watch this show, people that write about Auburn, feel like any criticism or wanting the coach gone makes you anti-Auburn, a bammer, all these things that is such a lazy narrative. Tell me, tell me, since Brian Harson took this program over, you're not looking to go from where Auburn was to competing for an SEC title. That's not realistic. All I want to see and what Auburn Nation wants to see is progress. Tell me any aspect of this football program that's better now than it was when Brian Harson took over. Not recruiting, not player development. He's 3-8 and eight in his last 11 games. Auburn is 3-8 and eight in their last 11 games. So we can agree – that it's going in the wrong direction from a win-loss standpoint. All I want to see is progress. I want to see marked progress, even if it's baby steps. And it's not. It's regressing. So I think at the end of the day, that's why you go ahead and don't wait till the end of the year. You go ahead and make that change, and you try to get the culture and the environment back to something being positive. Is that a rooster? Um, You know who it is. It's our friend. The cat again? The black cat is back. I, what's, I couldn't what's take. The, what's the cat's name? Dottie. Dottie's probably an Auburn fan. Dottie's probably very, very, very boisterous and vocal right now. Dottie is yes. Well, yeah. Dottie hears this topic, and I mean, like all Auburn fans, there's a there's a lot has of an opinions. opinion, right? So yeah, t- t- tell Dottie thank you. But wanting what's best and wanting and, and I know you want what's best for Auburn, and even the folks that think he should stay on till the end of the year. Being critical of a coach and being ready to make a change, you don't have to get into a camp as pro Harson, anti Harson. I just want what's pro Auburn. Yeah, let's be pro Auburn. Let's be let's be pro Auburn. What's best for Auburn? And if you're not seeing any kind of movement or any kind of progress, which I think we would agree in the last year and a half, everything's regressed. Then, then why wait? Is it going to continue to get worse? Is it going to be three and twelve by the time you let him go instead of three and eight? 
that that's my argument on that is that I just want to see the culture and the toxicity change from around the program right now. Yeah, in the Locked on Auburn Discord, Ryu asked a question. Can you name a position group that has improved under Harson's tenure? I would have said wide receiver, but today makes me wonder. I'll still say wide receiver, Daryl, but that's kind of a tricky question because, like, are we looking at the, the start of the Harson era to today? Because, like, the defense of line is better today than it was 365 days ago, but, like, how much of that is Harson and how much of that is just kind of folks – you know, staying in the system, but like mm -hmm. he convinced, he convinced Derek Hall to come back. Uh, it sounds like that was a big part of uh, Eku coming back. And Colby I'm going to say the tight end. I'm going to say the tight ends have improved since Harsh has been here, but yeah, that's totally. also a trick, a trick question because it's not harder to be better than zero when yeah. you're not utilizing the tight end and throwing to them. Right. But the tight end position has gotten more effective and better under Brian Harson. Yeah, but it's better. But it's because you're going from a baseline of nothing. Yeah, like linebackers have definitely gotten worse, like drastic, like considerably worse. Um, cornerback play is probably worse, but I'm going to look past that because, like, you lost, you lost an All-American, like you lost, you know, a, a top forty draft pick with Roger. So, like, I, I don't know, but I'm okay with the secondary. I feel like that, like that's not know, the problem. It's right? not like, the problem. I, I'm, I feel like this secondary has a lot of potential. I'm looking DJ forward James. to. DJ yes, James is a dude. And Kaufman's playing out of his mind right now. And when Keontae Scott starts to even – he's shown flashes. And so I'm, I'm actually very optimistic and enthusiastic uh, about the future of this secondary. I think they got numbers and they got some dudes. Yeah, um, Linebacking is the biggest Achilles heel right now. Yeah, and Auburn just hasn't had to see that in a long time. Where like That was the weakest part of the defense. Probably the second worst position group on the team. Can I say that? Behind offensive line? Correct. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Can and, I say that? Yeah, and the receiver situation is such a incomplete, whether it's better or worse, it's incomplete to me it's imp because it's impossible, to know. it's impossible to judge. I mean, right. it, it, is it a, 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 an indictment on this, this coaching staff that they can't get open? Are they getting open and having the drop sees? No. I think when mm -hmm. they get an opportunity, they're making plays. Um, you know, we just see those little flashes and you get all excited. The, the, the route to Javarius Johnson that was 25 yards down the field where Robbie Ashford was throwing off his back foot, made a really nice throw. You see flashes from the Cam Browns and those guys. But I don't know, if you can't get separation and can't get open, you can't judge, so it's a kind of an incomplete. Yeah, no, dudes were draped. You know, and it's just like, I hate it for Robbie. I really hate it for Robbie. And, and Dottie, it sounds like Dottie the cat agrees. <laughs> Daryl, thank you so much for your time. As always, you're welcome. For, you are welcome. For, uh, for folks watching or listening, if it sounds a little wonky, I am in uh, Foxborough. I'm actually like in the parking lot of Gillette Stadium right now. So, um, sorry, but I'm here. So, Daryl, we'll do this again uh, next week after Ole Miss. Okay, we sure will. Have a great time and uh, stay safe. Lindsey Crosby will join us tomorrow, as he does every single Monday on the show. And until then, this has been. Locked on Auburn.